Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church. Let us begin by praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first and foremost, for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you, Father, that while he was the Son of God, he also became man so that he could come here to earth and die for our sins and be buried, and then you raised him from the dead on the third day so that whosoever believes in your Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior, will never perish but have eternal life. <coughs> Father, we are also grateful this morning that you brought Keith in to us. We thank you for him and his family and his ministries, and we uh, ask that you would give us the grace and insight to support him in any way that he needs. We also want to pray, Father, for the entire church, the body of Christ, both in the United States and around the world. And we would ask today, Father, also that we would all be able to concentrate and participate in the manner in which you've ordained for us. And we just uh, thank you once again for all your gifts. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. So Keith and Starling is with us this morning. So we are going to take an offering at the end. And you can make, if you're going to make out a check, you can make it directly to Keith and Starling. So that's why I had that up there. Um, his daughter can spell it now. She's very proud of that. And his name is first. And Tennessee, which is harder, actually, than Keith. <laughs> Just one reminder on schedule. Um, we will not be meeting this uh, Thursday or Sunday. Um, so keep that in mind. So this Thursday and Sunday, we will not be having services together. We'll pick things up the following Thursday. Following Thursday. All righty. So... Keithian uh, has been visiting us for many years, as most of you know, and um, he's, a, he's a very dynamic person. I don't, I don't mean personality only, though he is, but because uh, he's always starting things, and I know he'll have a chance today to talk about that. But, um, so he definitely still has that uh, prison ministry. In addition to that now, though, he has started a, a church planting pastor training um, um, ministry in the, in the nation of Kenya, and, um, and he's also really already pastoring a church in Washington State. So he, he needs a lot of prayer and a lot of support. Yeah, and um, so we're privileged to have him this morning, and he and I are going to switch places right now so that he'll be in front of the microphone, and I would just ask that you give him your full attention. Keep the welcome. You, Well, this is going to be a little different for me because I like to hoop and holler and run around the room. And uh, <laughs> hey, I never, I, I never danced in my life, so don't let me kid you. This is dancing to me, just moving my head. I don't move my feet. <laughs> well, it's always an honor and privilege to be in the company of any believers who are serious about um, the word of God and God's truth and also mission work because we are here in the world on a mission. Uh, this is not our home. Uh, we're just passing through and we're here to make disciples and to bring those new believers to spiritual maturity through teaching them the word of God. That is the whole reason that God left us here um, after salvation. So is always encouraged to be in the company of believers who understand what life is all about. 
And, uh, and I tell you, if you can meet here uh, um, in a, a warehouse uh, and continue to uh, keep the main thing the main thing, it, it speaks a lot uh, about you and your perspective about why we're here in this world. And I just encourage you to, because here's the deal, um, the rapture could happen today. When you look at what's going on in the world, uh, we want to make sure that our lights are burning. Um, and I, I believe that we are the rapture generation. Uh, and today will be a good day. Can y'all give me an amen? amen. <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a, a good day forward. Um, but right now, we just need to continue to endure and persevere. Remove all distraction that will hinder us from persevering. Before we get started, I there's a scripture I've been memorizing, and I'm going to practice memorizing. If you will, open your Bible to Proverbs uh, chapter 3, so that you can test me to see if I got it down. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gain understanding. For her profit is better than the profit of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. She is a she is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand is riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant way, and all her path are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. I think I got it right. <laughs> you know, when I read this, uh, you know, this verse, uh, this passage here, um, you know, by the way, uh, King Solomon was in his uh, mature days, uh, kind of like the middle part of his life. He was very mature. He was a mature believer. And here he gives us wisdom on how to find true, meaningful life, how to find happiness. And he said, how happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding? For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. So he used investment terms. In other words, uh, uh, wisdom gain is greater than having all the wealth in the world. Uh, and then in verse 15, say... She is more precious than jewel, and nothing you desire compares with her. And so here, Solomon communicates with us that if you think of all the things that you desire in the world, just in desire in your personal life, nothing can compare with having God's wisdom. And we find God's wisdom through learning his word, uh, making his word the way we think, how we live our life. Uh, the gain of doing that is greater than having all the wealth in the world. And, and I have been free from a life of slavery to sin for about 20-some years now. And the only reason I am free is because of God's wisdom. It is because uh, I, I, I saw the importance of saturating my mind and my soul in the truths of God's word. And as a result, uh, I have been free. And so... I'd rather be free from the slavery to my sin nature than to have all the money in the world and be enslaved to sin. Uh, so thank God for his wisdom. And so I just want to encourage you to 
Uh, keep doing what you're doing because nothing that you desire in life can compare to making time to saturate your soul with the Word of God. You may not know this, and I'm sure some of you do know this, that the only reason we're here this morning is to celebrate the grace of God. It is Thanksgiving, but we are here every Sunday. We're here to celebrate the grace of God because everything that we are and everything that we have is a result of God's grace. And so this place of worship that we have here uh, is a result of God's grace. The gift of pastor, teacher, evangelist, all been given to the church as a grace gift from God. Having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to teach us and help us comprehend the thing that we're about to learn uh, is also a result of the grace of God. Knowing if we die today where we're going, where we're going is a result of the grace of God. Just having any virtues like love and compassion and patience and um, self-control, all the fuel of the Spirit is a result of the grace of God. And so we are here this morning really to just celebrate every every Sunday. We're here or any time we gather together to worship, we're here to celebrate the grace of God. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. His compassion fail not. It is new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to him, trust in him, and he will do it. For we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his predetermined plan. I want to, first of all, this morning, uh, give you all an update. Uh, I want to thank you for your prayers and your continuing support for Grace Prison Ministry. As you all know, before COVID, uh, which that's two years ago, I think it was two years ago. See, I don't live in the time of COVID. I live in a whole other dimension. (laughs) When actually COVID first happened, I actually didn't even know it was a pandemic. (laughs) I was in my office studying. I I left to go to the grocery store, and I saw everybody just panic buying. I said, man, did I miss something? (laughs) What's going on? Why everybody panicking? And I didn't even know what was going on, but... I really try not to be controlled by fear and because I understand, as all of us should understand, that God controls human history. And if you understand that, we never should live in fear because here's the deal. I'm not going to leave a day late or a day early until God is ready for me. Now, people are not sinning if they get the vaccination or, or whatever. You know, I just like getting a flu shot, whatever. But for me, I haven't got vaccinated just because just uh, I just don't feel comfortable at this particular time. But everybody in different places in their their life. And uh, but uh, long as fear is not the motivation, if fear is not the motivation, uh, then, you know, have at it. Uh, but any time, anything that is not of faith is a sin. If it's not of faith, it's a sin. If it bothers your conscience, don't do it. Because if you do it when your conscience is bothering you, then you're sinning because you're not doing it in faith. And so I encourage people that if you have complete confidence that you're not sinning, uh, or if your conscience is clear, do it. You know, um, because there's something the Bible don't necessarily say 
There's a sin to get the vaccination. <laughs> I know so, I looked. <laughs> you looked. You tried to find a scripture for it, right? <laughs> and you couldn't find a scripture for it, right? And so, so then it boiled down to conscience. It, it boiled down to conscience, you know. And my conscience just will not allow me. So if I do it, then I'll be, you know, sinning because it's not a faith. And so, uh, but I, I try to live by faith. And, um, and I pray that God, will, and I try to protect myself as much as I can. But uh, in essence, I just try to live by faith and, and just focus on what God have for me to do right now. And if I'm doing what he have called me to do, I'm not going to leave here a day early or a day late. Now, I could uh, die a premature death if I continue to uh, have a, ne- if, I, if I have a negative attitude toward God. Uh, and just reject his word and just choose to live in sin and rebel against him, then I could uh, die prematurely. But not all believers that have passed away during COVID is dying as a result of the sin or to get death. It just was God's time uh, for them because some of them, as we know, our dear Marilyn and Steve Pomeroy, they were heroes in the faith. They were believers who were pursuing the plan of God and they loved the Lord, they loved his work. And uh, it was just their time. And uh, and if you ask Marilyn to and Steve to come back and be with us and share this day of fellowship, they would say, have you lost your mind? <laughs> <laughs> they have perfect perspective right now. And they would not change having perfect, per- perfect perspective uh, to be here with us where we lose perspective very easily. And so, uh, but anyway... Uh, with that being said, uh, pre-COVID, uh, after COVID, they shut a lot of the prisons and jails uh, down. And, uh, and so I began this uh, Tuesday and Thursday online Bible study as a result of not being able to uh, get into a lot of uh, the prison. Uh, I was still, you know, visiting churches that were still open their doors, you know, teaching and communicating. But the prison was just real limited. Because of COVID, so the Lord motivated me to start an online uh, Bible study for the general public. Well, uh, you know, people began to respond positive, started attending the online Bible studies, and uh, and that have been going really well. And actually, from that online Bible study, uh, I'm now doing a church plant up in Brewster, Washington, Washington State. So I used to visit. A church out there, just like I visit here for the last how many years, I can't recall. Um, but I used to visit a church there. I was one of their missionaries. And uh, and some of the believers in the local church uh, started attending the online classes. And what they appreciate is the, the practice. I'm a very practical person. You know, yes, I can demonstrate intelligence of, in, as far as the Word of God, my understanding of the Word. But intelligence is not where it changed lives. That's not what changed lives. What changed lives is when we take the Word of God and we be able to skillfully apply it to life and to problem. That is what changed lives. Is when we know how to apply the Word of God to every area of our lives. And so those believers like the, the practical part of things and, uh, and their family just begin to change. And so uh, they sadly uh, they left their local church um, because they saved the lo- their local church with more academics, uh, but without 
practice. And so they asked me, which it was kind of tough, they asked me what I considered coming to Washington State and pastoring um, a new church and, uh, and being their pastor. And I said, I go wherever God wants me to go. And, you know, Grace Prison Ministry is, you know, national, so I can, it can, Grace Prison Ministry can go everywhere. I don't necessarily have to be in Nashville to do prison ministry, uh, which they know that I'm not going to give up doing prison ministry. So I go, uh, so I end up, uh, took uh, that job of pastoring that church in Washington, so six months ago. So I go up there every other week and pastor that church, and, and then the weeks I'm not there, um, I do a online um, church service for them. Like when I leave here, I go back and do a online uh, church service there. Um, and so, and, and once I started, once I started going out there, um, they have a, the, a a family in the church. Uh, uh, they're farmers, and uh, they have like thousands of workers from Jamaica and uh, um, and uh, Mexico work on, in their apple orchards, and they wanted to give me a tour of their camps, their Jamaican camp and Hispanic camps. And so they took me to all these camps and and, uh, and when I saw all these people from around the world in these camps, I said, man, this is a mission field. <laughs> I, and they were like, well, they're here to work, Keith. They're here to work. I said, but this is a, I said, man, we can put a big tent on the in that open field there and, and we can have like the conferences that we do in the prison for the weekend. I said, we can have conferences there and uh, and so after then, every year I started going up there doing conferences at the Jamaican and Hispanic work camp, and uh, and it, it been going really well. So every year I will be do, I'll be doing the Jamaican and Hispanic work camp conference, uh, uh, and and uh, and so that's one ministry. And also, as you all probably have gotten our brochure of the Grace Refuge complex that we're trying to build on a eighty acre farm. Uh, we're hoping to have that Grace Refuge complex up in uh, Brewster, uh, Washington, because the land there is a, a little bit cheap. Uh, and also, on top of that, during COVID, um, um, an officer in Kenya, uh, uh, in the Kenyan prison, called me and asked me what I consider uh, 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 coming to Kenya to teach a teach at the prisons there. Because he went online and saw the, the, the grace information that I was communicating. He wanted me to come to Kenya. Well, I friended this officer and started doing uh, virtual Zoom uh, Bible study in the Kenyan prison. Well, he had a, uh, a guy, a pastor in Kenya to work with me and get in uh, the prison what they need to study under the ministry. Well, come to find out, this officer was actually trying uh, to rob me of money, and uh, which which the uh, the guy that he uh, appointed to work with me saw the information that I was providing, the doctrine that I was providing these prisoners, and he said, "I cannot allow this officer to mess up this sound Bible teaching coming into Kenya." So he actually disclosed everything to me, what this officer was doing, and his name is Dixon, the guy. And so Dixon 
became my point person. So through Dixon, I started a Bible college in Kenya, and I had like 30 or 40 pastors in Kenya for the last year now. I've been training them. Uh, I took them, taking them through the Old Testament, and now they're going back to all of their churches, communicating grace, the grace gospel. And, and one one day, I'm going to have to get Dixon on the line and let y'all hear him uh, and, and the impact that God is making throughout Kenya through this Bible Institute and the pastors that have been coming there for over a year now. And uh, it's just so amazing to see what God is doing. And now we have a government permit to preach freely throughout Kenya in the Kenyan prison. We're in five Kenyan prisons now. And uh, and so it's just amazing. And this guy, uh, Dixon, was actually going to Catholic school to be a priest. Um, and he actually left because he was really searching for something more. And then I came along, and, and God is just using him in, a, in an awesome way now. So I'm involved in that also uh, now. And uh, the prisons in Kenya, I mean, in Nashville have opened back up. So on, on Sundays and Mondays, I'm back in the prisons. Uh, there locally, uh, a couple, y'all, some of y'all know Chad and Kirby Snyder. Chad used to be the young man that used to come to the camps that we used to do here. Marilyn and Steve used to do here. And, and, and Chad met me at Marilyn's camp. And, uh, and I've been kind of mentoring Chad for since he was like 13 years old. He's like 29, 28 or 29 now. Well, Chad is going to seminary for a while now. I've been going to Bible college through Grace Prison Ministry. And um, and he is actually moved to Nashville to help run Grace Prison Ministry while I'm doing this church plant in Brewster, Washington. So Chad works in the office with me on Mondays and Wednesday, um, every Monday and Wednesday. And uh, hopefully he'll be moving out to Washington to kind of help with that. But Grace Prison Ministry is in a transition to moving out to Washington. We'll still be doing what we do, uh, um, but I will be also pastoring the local church, still doing the ministry in Kenya, uh, and also the Jamaican work camp. We'll still be doing the conferences. And, and big, big, the biggest thing for Grace Prison Ministry is trying to get a re- our own facility, Grace Refuge Complex, where not just prisoners, when they get out of prison, can come, and uh, and grow in the Lord um, because in Brewster there's not a Walmart in sight and so if they want to get out of the world and, and come to the wilderness uh, to get closer to Jesus Christ that's going to be the place to come and uh, and so we're hoping to have that complex where people from all around the world can come and get training uh, for local church ministry but missionary work and just send them back in the world to impact the world but get them off from all the, the get them all from the world, and while they're there, they can work. Um, the, the family in our local church, they employ the entire town of Brewster, Washington, and so so it's amazing how God had everything already you know figured out. And so people in our program, you know, they can get jobs just like that, and at the same time, begin training for local church ministry and missionary work. So that's a kind of, you know, update on what's going on with me. So I am, so December the 18th, I'll be moving out there full time. I still have the house in Nashville. Uh, so I'll be going back and forth um, because Grace Prison Ministry will still be there. Chad will help out with local operation. Um, 
we have a couple other people in Nashville that's going to be helping out with the the Bible studies in the prison, and I just be kind of going back and forth doing the conferences and things like that. And so, hopefully, you guys can come out to Washington when we do the the church dedication. We're actually building a church in uh, the first of like rounds the spring. Uh, we're building a church. Uh, the dad, of, one of the dads on the family, have. Uh, donated land to be able to build a church and these believers really putting a lot of their own resources in to have a church in the area so it's going to be interesting to see what God is doing and um, so you know it's, 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 it's fun to be part of what God is doing so uh, so you don't have to worry about me I'm still doing what I have always enjoyed doing alright if you will open your Bibles I want to give a, a little lesson this morning if you will, open your Bibles to 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, 1 through 3. So that's the kind of update. I, I encourage you all to pray for me and this ministry that God has called me to and all that everyone asks me, how in the world can you, can you do all this? It's only by the grace of God. God enabled me to do it. I cannot do it on my own. Today I have titled this study this morning as Recognize, well, Living in Light of His Second Coming. Living in Light of the Second Coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Living in Light of the Second Coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin reading our text this morning. In verse 28, Now little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practice righteousness is born of him. See how great love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We will see him as he is. We live in a time where when we look around in human history and the different events um, that is taking place uh, in our world, uh, we know, if you know the word of God, that the rapture is near. That the rapture is near. Here in First uh, John uh, chapter 2, John have began a new section in 1 John. And in this section, he wants these believers who are already cultivating intimate, close fellowship with Jesus Christ to continue doing what they are doing. Uh, to continue to cultivate intimate, close fellowship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he can appear at any moment to rapture his church. Therefore, we need to live live our life in light of this truth. We need to live our life in light of Christ's second coming because his second coming could happen today. 
not only should we live our life uh, in light of his second coming, but we should live our life in light of that we could die today. Any of us could pass away today. So we should live our life in light of his second coming, but we should also live in light of, uh, uh, you know, we could die at any moment. And, and, and after we die, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for our fellowship with God while we were on earth. So John says here in verse 28, I mean, look at verse, uh, verse 28, now little children abide in him. Now this word abide simply means remain in him and remaining in him simply means continue to cultivate intimate close fellowship with him is that same abide we see in john chapter 15 uh, uh the gospel of john chapter 15 when jesus tells the believer to abide in him uh for his bearing fruit fruit in other words apart from me you cannot do anything in other words continue to cultivate intimate close fellowship with jesus christ continue to stay in fellowship abide in him why so that, and the word so that here is the Greek word henna, and henna has the idea of purpose and result. It has idea of purpose and result. In other words, uh, so that for the purpose of when he appears, and his appearing could be imminent, it could happen at any moment, so that when he appears, we may have confidence, that we will have confidence, that we will not uh, shrink away from shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, assuming he say if third class condition, and you uh, assuming that you know this is a possibility that you already know this. But if you know, uh, you may know this. But if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practice righteousness is born of him. How do we know one is born of God? Or how do we know that one is a Christian? Well, according to this verse, um, God is upright. God is just. God is uh, fair. He always conformed to his holy standard. He always conformed to his holy standard. He conformed to his holy standard in all that he is and all that he does. So how do you know that a person is related to God. Well, we know when our character conforms to the standards of God. And when people see that, then they perceive that we are children of God. So really what John is saying here is that as we await Christ's appearing, which could come at any moment, let it be perceived that you are the child of God. Let it be perceived that you are. See, believers are already children of God. The moment we believe in Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, create a new nature in us, give us as a gift the righteousness of Jesus Christ, as Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one say, uh, 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 God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we may be made the righteousness of God in Him. So in Christ, I'm already righteous. But in practice, I am yet to be righteous. So what God is doing now in church history is making true what is already true. 
It is already true that you and I are righteous, but God is wanting our cooperation to make true and practice what is already true. In other words, as we walk in the spirit, as we learn, think, believe, and apply the word of God, then God is making true and practice what is already true in our position. Those who is born of God is to display and practice the righteousness of God, a character or conduct that conform to the standards of God, the principle of God. And this is how you live in light of Christ's imminent at any moment appearing. It is true that every believer in Jesus born of God and have positional righteousness, but it's not true that every believer in church history is actually living out that in their practice. Not every believer is living their life as though Christ could come at any moment. Not every believer is living their life as though they could die at any moment and stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So John is saying, continue to cultivate intimate, close fellowship with Jesus Christ because he could come at any moment. You could die at any moment. Therefore, keep the light burning. God is in the process with our cooperation of making true in practice through his spirit and through his word, what is already true. And all he wants is our freedom to choose to allow him to make true what is already true. You know, when I look at this, this uh, when you think in terms of 1 John like that, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense. when you From this verse, verse 28, all the way to, I think, chapter 4 of 1 John, uh, you see what 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 John is doing. He's trying to get believers to live their life as though Christ can come at any moment. So really, what he's saying is continue to cultivate intimate, close fellowship with Jesus Christ. What is already true about you in your position, let it be true in your practice. The goal of the Christian life is very simple. It is conforming to the standards of God. It is learning, thinking, and applying the word of God. Conforming to God's standard in our thoughts, in our beliefs, and also in our behavior. Conforming, because when we conform to the standards of God's word, then we are becoming more like Christ. Which is the plan of God. Go to uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 29 if you will. In Romans 8, 29, we see that God have predestined this destiny for every believer to arrive at. God planned this destiny for every believer to arrive at. And that is the destiny of being conformed to his holy standard. In our thoughts, in our words, in our behavior, and also in our beliefs. He wants us to conform to his standards. Because as John say, God is righteous. He conformed to his holy character. I mean, to his holy standard. And therefore, because he is our father, therefore, we are his children. He is our parent. Therefore, we are to take on the characteristics of our parent. They need people. The world need to say, that boy looked just like his daddy. Can you see the resemblance? <laughs> he is every speak of his daddy. That's what they need to say about us. That Keithian is every speak of his daddy. Look at the love. Look at the giving out of himself for the benefit of others. That's what God did. That is 
His character is that he gave out of himself for the benefit of others without looking for anything in return. That boy looked just like his daddy. <laughs> Romans 9, verse, uh, uh, I mean, Romans 8, I'm sorry. Romans 8, uh, verse, uh, verse, uh, uh, help me out. What do you say? 29. 29. 29. 29 said, For those whom he foreknew, the word for new here simply means determine, uh, he knew you in advance. He also predestined. Predestined simply means someone destined being it planned in advance to become conformed to the image of his son. So God had planned a destiny for you and I. In advance, in eternity past, everyone who believe in my son in time, the destined, my, my plan for him is that he arrive at conformity to the standards of God. And that, that, that's, not, that's my translation, but that's what it means. Because when I conform to God's standards, in my thoughts, in my words, in my action, in my beliefs, in my behavior, then I'm going to conform to the character of Jesus Christ. And so that is what all of us should be seeking to arrive at, to conform more of our thoughts, to conform more of our words, more of our action, more of our beliefs to the truths of God's word. That is how we live as though Christ will come at any moment. So the abiding result, John is saying, the abiding results of being born of God is keeping are doing or keep on doing righteousness. So the so I, yes, I am born in a, I'm a, I am born again as a believer. But what is the abiding results that I am born again that I am keeping on doing righteousness. I am keeping on learning the word of God and conforming to the principles of God's word in my belief, in my behavior, in my thoughts, in my words. When we are controlled by the spirit, uh, I mean, when we're controlled by the sin nature through our disobedience, we hinder the process of what God is trying to do. When I disobey God, when I live in rebellion, uh, 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 when I live uh, not in conformity to the principles of the word of God, I am hindering the process of sanctification. I am hindering the process of practical righteousness. I am hindering the plan of God from taking place in my life because what God is doing through our free will is making true in practice what is already true in our position. But I am not to hinder that. That means I need to stay in fellowship. I need to continue to cultivate intimate, close fellowship. And that's simply conforming to the principle of God's word. So I learn, I think, I believe, I apply. That is how I conform. That's how I cooperate with God in this process of making true in practice what is already true in position. So as a parent, he is my father. And because he is my father, father I should take on in my lifestyle, in my practice, the characteristics of my father but if I am not conforming to the principles of God's word in my practice in my thoughts in my behavior in my belief then I'm going to take on the characteristic of an unsaved person I'm going to take on the characteristic 
of the devil. In other words, I come under Satan's influence. Many believers are under the influence of Satan. They don't even realize it. Whenever your character and conduct do not conform to the principles of the word of God, then I am taking on the characteristic of an unbeliever, even though I am born again. See, unbelievers are called sons of rebellion. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, See, my old life was characterized by rebellion. My old life was characterized by rebellion because as an unsaved person, I was in Satan's kingdom of darkness. But once I believed in Jesus Christ, God took me out of the kingdom of darkness and placed me into the kingdom of light. I am not part of his royal family. He is my parent. Therefore, I should take the characteristics of my father instead of taking on the characteristic of the old kingdom of darkness. If you look at Ephesians 2, uh, verse 1 through 3, say, And you, Kethian, you were dead in your transgressions or the trespasses and sin in which you formerly, your old life, walk or live according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of rebellion. The sons of rebellion is... A reference to unbelievers. See, unbelievers live according to the course of this world. According to the same cosmic system. Now, the world here is a satanic system of thinking that leads men away from God. In other words, Satan have ideas in the world that corrupt the mind of men that lead men in rebellion against God or lead men to live their life as though there isn't a God. And that was our life before we trusted in Jesus Christ. But that should no longer be our life now that we are believers in Jesus Christ. Now that we are born of God, we should not be living under the power or influence of the spirit that is now working in the sons of rebellion. But whenever I am not conforming in my thought, my words, my action, my behavior, and belief to the principle and standards of God's word, then I am under the control of my sin nature. I am under Satan's influence, and therefore I'm not going to take on the characteristics of a born-again child of God. I'm going to look just like the rest of the world. Now what John is not saying, here's what John is not saying, because most people, uh, they say, well, Keith, uh, that's not really true, because when you look at most Christians, their lifestyle do not give evidence that they're born of God. Their lifestyle do not give characteristics that they are children of God. So what John is not saying is whoever does not do righteous is not born of God. That's not what he's saying. He's actually not even dealing with that. He's not even dealing with that. Okay. The Ted did not say whoever does not keep on doing righteous is not born of God. John is not talking here in this verse about how we decide if a person is saved. We don't decide how a person is saved by their behavior. Because then we start being judgmental. <laughs> no, because that will contradict what he said in 1 John 5.1. Look at 1 John 5.1. 1 John 5.1. In 1 John 5.1, he said, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So he's not saying that you 
uh, 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 determine whether a person is saved based on his behavior. Because that would go against, that would contradict what he said here in 1 John 5. Whoever believes that he is the Christ is born. So it is faith that we become children of God. I like Galatians 3.26. For we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. To as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So that's not what he's doing here. He's not saying that uh, uh, um, uh, if you don't display in your practice the righteousness of God, if your practice do not conform to the standards of God, you're not truly saved anyway. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying here is that it should be perceived that you are children of God. In other words, when my lifestyle conformed to the standards of God and the truths of God's word, then it will be perceived that I am a child of God. Not that my behavior uh, makes me a child of God or makes me saved, but it will be perceived. When you think about this, when you look at Job's life, you go to Job chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Without question, you will not question whether Job is a man of God or a child of God because you see his life. Nobody could say anything bad about Job. Let it be the same with you. Let your conduct, your character, your word, your speech, your belief be without reproach so that it will be perceived. That is a man of God. That is a woman of God. It should, whenever we're in the company of people, without question, they should perceive that is a man of God. Because that's going to give us a right to witness to them. It's going to win us a right. Most, most unbelievers don't want to hear what we say because they see what we're doing. So we have to win that right to be heard. How? Take on the characteristics of your parent. Take on the characteristics of your parent. So, John is simply saying, we know God is righteous. And those who know this and those who are born of him should reproduce in their practice the nature of God so that it may be perceived that you are a child of God. You know what John is not saying? He's not saying that everyone who is born of God practice righteousness. <laughs> He's not saying that either. That would not be consistent what he said earlier in First John chapter 1, when he said that if uh, uh, God is light and in him there is no darkness, if we say that uh, we are have fellowship with him and yet we are walking in the dark, we lie and do not practice the truth. So in other words, believers can walk in darkness just like unbelievers can. So he's not saying that everyone who is born of God uh, only practice righteousness because that would contradict what he said earlier. Okay, uh, uh, it would not be every believer still have a sinful nature. I have a, a new definition for the sinful nature. Well, sin, sin is simple. I wish I had a little dry erase. Is that a dry erase board? <laughs> it looked like it looked like somebody been playing around. But anyway, sin is this. Sin is selfishness. That's what the S the S stand for selfishness. The I stand for independence. And the end stands for not living according to God's standard. The sin nature that lives in all of us always incurred a life of self-centeredness. It always incurred live life independently of God. 
The sin nature always encouraged not living according to God's standard. Therefore, we live as though there is no God. And therefore, we live like we are unbelievers. We're not taking on the characteristic of our Heavenly Father, who is righteous. So John is saying, simply point, that when a child display and practice the nature of his father, he is perceived as a child of the father. We're living in the last day. Therefore, practicing righteousness is the desire of one who is born of God. If you're born of God, we desire to practice righteousness. Righteousness marks or identifies children of God, though not all Christians behave righteously at all times, but some choose to walk in darkness through the sin nature and also through disobedience. But we should not judge a person, though, salvation based on their behavior. But we're to judge a person's salvation based on their belief. But what we can do, we are to judge a person's spirituality by their behavior. By their behavior. But not judge their salvation based on their behavior. For a believer in Jesus Christ, all we need to display and practice what is already true, we need self-discipline. We need to discipline ourselves. And Jesus is the prime example of self-discipline. Because when you look at uh, Christ's life, we see patient endurance in the midst of every trial, every temptation. He bared upon every trial, every temptation, and complete trust and complete obedience. In his life, no self-importance, no self-interest, no uh, uh, sin, no living life independent of the Father's will, no not living according to God's standard. He had discipline. He had self-control, influenced by, and you don't even see any unbelief in his life. The Christian life is a is to be live with self-discipline, and a lot of us as Christians don't have self-discipline. Now it's Thanksgiving, so I want to close with this. Now let's go to First John chapter three, and I want to summarize for the second time. He go on, and since it's Thanksgiving, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. Now this word see here actually should be see or, or look. That's actually how it should be translated. Look or see. How great a love the Father has bestowed on us. Here, John is commanding the readers to do something, to look. Now, the verb here, look, is followed by an indirect statement as a means of arousing uh, 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 the reader's attention. He want to gain the reader's attention. 
And what is he trying to get in? He wants them to contemplate something. He wants them to be astonished by something. Astonished by what? How great a love the Father has bestowed on us. He said, I want y'all to contemplate something. I want y'all to be astonished by something. I want you to, I want to present some truth and I want you, you know, I, I shared with you earlier that you're to take on the characteristic of your father, but I want you to contemplate this further. I want you to, I want you to let, I want this contemplation to take on a more intelligent shape. I want you to just really, you know, uh, uh, think about this. Think about what? What kind, what great kind of love? I want you to be astonished by the great love of God. I want you to be astonished by the great love of God. Now, this word translated bestow uh, 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 from uh, didoma, which means to give something, give something to somebody as an expression of generosity. So John said, I want you to be astonished by the generosity of God. I want you to be astonished by God's generosity where, where he gave you an unearned, undeserved gift. And what is that unearned, undeserved blessing or gift that you have received? That you should be called children of God. And by being a child of God, you are a spiritual millionaire. <laughs> You are a spiritual, so you don't have to go around with your head down. You are a spiritual millionaire, but in the world you may be poor. But like Jesus told the church, uh, what is it, Laodicea? Uh, no, Smyrna, that they were poor, but yet they was rich. Well, they're rich. I would rather be poor as a local church. You guys would rather be poor as a local church, but rich in Christ and not be like the church of Laodicea. <laughs> they oh they was wealthy. They was wealthy. They had beautiful buildings, nice big buildings and uh they it was a wealthy city. But in Christ's eyes, they were poor. They were wrenched. But you let them tell it. Spiritually, they were poor. Even though physically they were rich. There was no spirituality there. And yet they were wealthy. And man, we live in that time. Where, yeah, people, they're more content. Churches are more content with having big buildings. They're more content with just being wealthy, having the, the big bank account. They're more content with entertainment. They're, they're more content with appearing to be rich spiritually. And ignore the importance of the word of God. The importance of learning the word, applying the word. Because that's how you become truly rich. That's how you become truly rich. I may be poor. And I may have a couple of zeros in my account. <laughs> but guess what? I got peace. I got inner ha I go to, oh man, I sleep like a baby every night. Okay, I sleep like a baby every night. I don't have mood swings. I mean, I mean, I'm not up and down and up and down every moment. Okay, I'm not searching for happiness and everything but God. I'm not getting married four and five times. If I get married, my wife gonna just have to just leave me. 
And that's most of the time what happens because not many believers are really rich in Christ. The word of God is no longer important to them. What's important? Wealth. Monetary wealth. And they're content with that. And I think God allowed COVID to shake the church up, to show the church how poor it really was spiritually. <laughs> did it did did it COVID expose us as a church <laughs> that we were very poor as it relates to Christ? But we're to be rich. The Father have blessed us with spiritual riches. Being a child of God is so is a reason to give thanks. Now I want I want to uh, just bring this out, and then I'm gonna close. And John took a little bit of my time thinking that the the, the clock was. Uh, <laughs> See, as a child of God, we should take on the same characteristic that we see our heavenly Father in chapter three, verse one. It say that. The Father have been very generous in giving us what we don't deserve. And that is, he gave us the new birth. He made us his children the moment that we believed in Jesus Christ. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We are spiritual millionaires. We are wealthy. We die. There are so many great blessings still awaiting us. We haven't even tapped into all that God has for us. We just have tapped into a little bit now. But there's more to come. And therefore, we should take on the same characteristic of our Heavenly Father. And that is, we should be generous people. We should be individuals that are always giving out of ourselves for the benefit of others without looking for anything in return. We should be some generous people. We should be grace-oriented. You know, when the, when the church called me out to Washington, they said, what we don't have here is what you have. Grace. You're so generous. And actually, when they called me out there, I was just so excited that there was believers serious about learning the word of God. And, and I wasn't even thinking about a paycheck or a salary. And, and I was actually flying up there, wasn't asking them for a thing, and Grace Prison Ministry was supporting that and financing that, and, and they were like blown away. They were like, man, and and, and and I never made money an issue or, or never, you know, uh, said, well, if I come up there, then um, I, I need $100,000 a year. I need this plan, that I need this big health, you know, all that. I'm on God's uh, 401k. <laughs> I'm on his insurance. He got the greatest insurance ever. It's a good plan, ain't it? Right. We, I don't even have to play copays. I don't have to. I don't even have to. <laughs> I don't even have to pay copay. It's free. It's a gift. He's the greatest physician. I just all I need to do is just trust him. All I need to do is just trust that if I'm doing what he's calling me to do, he's going to take care of me. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they say, "Hey, we got your house." That you can live in for two years free of charge. I said, wow. Praise the Lord. I didn't ask for it. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. But thank you, Jesus. And I needed that because I still got a mortgage in Tennessee. 
because I'm not selling my house, but Chad will be living in it so he can take care of the ministry. So I think I, I start right here. So the encouragement and the challenge is keep doing what you're doing. Keep cultivating intimate, close walk with Christ, even when everybody else is content as a church with the big buildings, going through the motion and all that. Let us continue to endure because the rapture can happen any moment. And let us continue to take on the characteristics of our Heavenly Father. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful to be part of what you're doing. Yet we are small in number, but we're rich in Christ. Thank you for these believers uh, who I have known for a long time who are uh, just continuing to hold up this nation through their positive volition towards your word and your truth. And I just pray whatever their needs may be, continue to meet their needs as they continue to put the main thing to main thing, and that is your word, and that is being rich in Christ through taking on the characteristic of our Heavenly Father by conforming to the truths of your word. And Father, as we seek to honor you by take by conforming to your word, I pray, Father, that you keep us health both physically so that we can continue to be alike and also monetarily meet all our needs because we're going to trust you. Keep our minds and heart until you come. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Keithian, I thank you so much for being here today and for focusing on, yeah, right, we're just talking about <laughs> focusing on the important thing, which is uh, now that we are saved, to live according to what we say we believe. It was uh, very nice for me to be able to just sit, by the way, and just have a man teach me this morning. I mean that, you know, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a treat for me, so thank you for all those respects. Keithian talked about generosity at the end, and he talked about his life. And so now it's our turn to be generous to Keithian. So at this time, we're going to take an offering for Keithian. Um, we don't have any music, but we have each other, and we're, you know, we have our intimate fellowship. Actually, it's more intimate now, I think, than when we were in the building. So, yeah, if at this time, Jack, you could just... We need music. All right, thank you, everybody. I know already that you're very generous and that uh, we want to support Keithian in any way we can. And obviously, finances are an important part of that. Prayer is an important part of that. Any other support that he may need that we have the ability to do, that's an important part, too. Very excited, Keithian, about where you're headed and what you're doing. And 
praying for that center that you want to build and for the great ministry in Kenya that seems to be bearing great fruit already and we trust will continue to. So again, we just want to thank you for the sacrifice with all the traveling you have to do already for traveling down here today and to be with us. So I just thank you again for that. All righty, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just ask you now for us to absorb and contemplate on the things that Keithian had to say this morning and that it would also turn into fruit by our application of your word, by our continuing to concentrate and meditate on the truths of your word, on the magnificence of your son, the greatest gift of all. And we ask, Father, that we would be able to uh, express that gratitude in many, many ways with the gifts you've given us in order to do that. We also want to pray for Keithian and his family as they travel. We pray for their safety and comfort. And we also pray again, Father, for the blessing and fruit upon his ministries in the prisons in Kenya. And now as he moves out to Washington particularly, Father, watch after him, provide him everything that he needs. And please sustain the Grace Prison Ministries. I know that's on his heart. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. All righty. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.